On last week's episode, we discussed the new opportunities in the field of virtual reality. We heard from Evelyn Morales, the former head of VR at NASA, Jeff Marshall, the founder of Ovation, a business built around VR-based public speaking training, and Daniel McIntyre, aka Danny Mac, the director of community corrections for Pennsylvania, where he has developed an innovative VR program to help inmates prior to release. Maybe it seems obvious, but business is changing. And much of that change, from digital transformation to workplace innovation, is driven by critical advancements in mobility. Thanks to support from T-Mobile for Business, we're here to explore how 5G could enable innovations in the life-saving efforts of first responders, and how new applications could change the way we're able to anticipate and react to natural disasters and emergencies. Well, it's not at all like a scene in a movie. The first fire that I was in was a building fire. In Hollywood, you can always see the flames and, you know, they can always see each other. That's not at all what it's like. Pretty much you go into a building and the smoke is down to the ground. It's confusing. You can't even see the hand in front of your face piece. That's Harold Schapelhelman speaking. He's been fighting fire since 1981. It's very physical, right? I'm about six foot three in height, and so, you know, one of the things that's not intuitive is you got to get down as low as you can to the ground and yet pull a charged hose line into a building. Then you got to fight the fire, which means that you can't see it. It's exhilarating. It's frightening. There's all these things that are happening around you. At the same time, you got to stay focused. One of the most important elements of fighting a fire is having the right tools. In the old days before we had hoods, I mean, it would literally burn your ears. So you'd have, if you looked at older firefighters, they had scarring on their ears. But that was also your temperature gauge. When it got too hot, then you realized you had to, to get out. So today they're much more encapsulated, which also creates a problem because when something goes wrong, it goes wrong in a bigger way based upon how far away you are from the opening and, and safety. In 2006, Harold Schapelhelman became chief of the Menlo Park Fire District in California. That leadership role gave him a new sense of responsibility to actively seek out and sometimes even create new tools to fight fire. Real things happen to real people, and a lot of times they're sad and unfortunate. But on the same token, you know, we're there to do a job and to do it as quickly as possible, try and make it better in some way, even though we're a little bit late to the party sometimes. I feel obligated as the leader of the organization, as well as someone who did this for many, many years, to not only bring innovation to the fore for the benefit of the community, but equally to bring it for our personnel so that we make them much more efficient, much more effective, protect them and the community at a much higher level. It's no secret that the communities Harold protects, Menlo Park, Palo Alto, Stanford, are some of the biggest tech hubs in the country. Areas not just of affluence, but also innovation. Facebook is based out of Menlo Park. Google, Apple, they're all down the street. We're surrounded by really, really smart, innovative people who either work in our community or live in it. I mean, I don't know that every community has a Google car driving around with the thing spinning on the roof. That started here. We're surrounded by it. We're immersed in it, but we're also responding to it. Harold believes that advances in technology can make communities safer by giving them more efficient tools to detect and respond to all kinds of emergencies 
and at the advances promised by 5G, lower latency, more sensors, edge computing, could radically improve the way we respond to crises by enhancing communication, automating critical services, and gathering real-time data that could save lives. In this episode, we'll explore how emergency services are already benefiting from new technologies and preparing for the 5G future. And we'll look at how one smart town is partnering with businesses with the goal of improving quality of life for citizens and responding better to natural disasters. I'm Oz Veloshin, and this is This Time Tomorrow, a podcast about how advances in connectivity could change the way we live. So, Kara, I like these stories about how new technologies can play a role in places we rarely think about them. Last episode, we were in outer space, and Harold was just talking about the center of a fire. Yeah, you know, they say necessity is the mother of invention. And trying to make sure you don't float off into space or get trapped in a burning building definitely makes you think about building better products for the future. It's also the second time in the series we've talked to somebody out of Silicon Valley. In the first episode, we spoke to Andrea Goldsmith, who's both a wireless professor at Stanford and the founder of a Nasdaq-listed public company. So it's one of those places where business and technology come together for innovations. And Chief Schapelhamen talked about using the Menlo Park Fire District to test out new commercial products that can then be adopted more widely. And that pressure testing, I think, is important because the chief also warned that innovation can sometimes be technically brilliant but practically stupid. Well, I'd hate to imagine a tech CEO actually fighting a wildfire. They'd show up in, like, one of those tech vests. Please. Fleece that say the name of venture capital firm on it. <laughs> but it is why it's so important that the design phase is not done in a vacuum. Exactly. And later in this episode, Chief Harold is going to talk all about that. And in particular, how he thinks that the data gathering and processing promised by 5G could enable new types of tools that will help his firefighters be more effective and also safer. I read an interesting statistic from McKinsey that globally, every second, another 127 devices are connected to the Internet. That's a lot of devices and potentially a lot of data being gathered about us. And one of the people who thinks a lot about all of this is Nicole Raimundo. She's the chief information officer of Cary, North Carolina. And she's very focused on partnering with companies to make Cary one of the most connected towns in America. And Oz, you know, you'll, you'll want to listen to this segment if you're like... What is a connected town anyway? I was just about to ask. The 170,000 is our population. We sit right outside of Research Triangle Park, which is home to lots of headquarters of technology and biotechnology companies. So it makes our role here a little bit more challenging to make sure that we're meeting the demands of our citizens. That's Nicole Raimundo. I wasn't entirely sure what it meant to be a chief information officer in local government. So when I spoke with Nicole, I was struck by how she balanced a pragmatic approach with a kind of contagious optimism about the future. My role is really about looking at our current solutions and bringing us into a modern state, but also really preparing us for the future. So that means understanding emerging technologies and how we can leverage those across the town. The term smart city, which has little to do with the intelligence of the population, has long been talked about as a way to boost efficiency and improve life for citizens. But it's another one of those terms like artificial intelligence that sounds really good in a headline and as a result doesn't have a clear definition. 
So when we talk about smart cities, it's a term that I actually don't like. Um, smart cities, I think, confers that cities weren't smart before, which I think that we were. And I really think about it as building a connected community, utilizing technology and data analysis, not only to optimize city functions, but grow economic development while improving the quality of life for our citizens. One thing is clear. To have a truly connected city, it will likely involve the expansion of the Internet of Things. Things like vehicle-to-vehicle communication or vehicle-to-infrastructure communication. For example, where the light tells your car it's about to turn red, so you should slow down. These are all a part of the Internet of Things. And IoT is already underway with innovations like smart fridges, lights, and thermostats. But with the greater connectivity that a 5G network may provide, the ways in which IoT can connect us will vastly expand. So here in Cary, we started to think about what does IoT mean, knowing that it was emerging and going to come very quickly. And we looked at leveraging our town hall campus, and we offered that up as a testing ground for companies to come in and test their technologies, help us understand how to utilize them, how to extract the data, make better decisions. And we've learned a lot from that. Making decisions when it comes to local government often means making decisions for the health and safety of the community. Nicole took an innovative approach to a complex problem by partnering with a tech startup and utilizing their new product. Carrie's a very proactive community. We had the opportunity to apply for a grant through Bloomberg, and we had learned of a company out of MIT called Biobot Analytics, and they had a product that you put into your wastewater and test for opioid consumption. During the process, though, we really thought about what's the best way to use this data. And while the consumption data that we receive today isn't quite real time, it takes about a month, that can certainly change the game in how we as a community think about how we can address the situation. I absolutely think in real time that the future is being able to connect these sensors via a network and to a lab. I think that's something that they're probably working on because they want to see that data in real time just as much as the communities do. Whenever we think of data gathering, the next natural thought is about my data and my privacy. So I asked Nicole how the town balanced the issue of data for public use and personal privacy. So the issue of privacy, it's always top of mind, right? I think that's everyone's big concern. We can't tell which household. It actually tests about 15,000 households. We can't identify a person's home or even a neighborhood. We've looked at, should we develop data privacy policies? That's something that we'll continue to test that. Nicole works closely with researchers, but also businesses, to test products and get them ready for market. And as chief information officer of Cary, Nicole's goal is to look at how the town operates holistically. So I think often the first cities that did smart technologies really did them in siloed ways, but really to get the value of how these all work is to actually figure out how to connect them all together. So let me give you an example of how we think about leveraging IoT technology in the day of the life of a citizen that's going to benefit them. So for example, we have a sensor that warns us of a potential flooding. That sensor then triggers a work order for our utility staff to investigate. 
They investigate it. That triggers another case into our public work staff to respond, close the road, which then triggers both our 311 and 911, where they're going to get updates. Could be video from a drone, right, which we can accurately respond to citizen and media inquiries. As Nicole tells it, soon the whole town starts working automatically to mitigate the spread of potential flooding. Then this data, right, is also sent to our intelligent traffic network that's going to adjust the timing on nearby intersections and accommodate our traffic routes. It's also going to send that same data out to Waze, which will redirect, right, private vehicles around the issue. Also going to give the data to our public safety, our CAD system, our transit system, notifying police, fire, bus units, so everyone can be diverted around this area. It can also send the information out for a public service announcement, right? So whether that's text messaging, social, so Twitter, Facebook, notifying our community to avoid the area and what's going on. Nicole explained to me that what she just described was 90% complete, which begged the question, what does the future look like for a town like Cary? The work that we're doing in Cary is phenomenal. But we don't have walls around Cary, right? I live in a community. I drive to another community. I'm running around to different other municipalities, which I think is fairly similar to everyone's lives. We're running from place to place to place. Tornadoes, hurricanes, they don't know town limits. So that requires a lot of communication between a lot of people, a lot of emergency services. And what does that look like? That looks like the combination of information for hundreds or even thousands of sensors and a network fast enough to process that information and make decisions in real time. And this is what makes Nicole excited about the potential of 5G. With the ability that we'll have with 5G, right, we'll be able to work through those issues, especially emergency services. If things were to go down and there wasn't communication, we could spin up drones with 5G and very quickly be able to get a network that we could then talk to not only emergency services, which is the most important, but also our citizens if they're in need of help. So I really start to think about the value of 5G and what it can bring not to a community, but really regions and then really across the country. Our jobs, especially in city government, right, is to think about our own community first. But as it grows, the value is really beyond that because we don't all live, work, and play in one area. 5G connectivity could also provide an important enhancement to IoT by allowing the town's technology to communicate directly with citizens' compatible devices. So, for example, we're building this beautiful new downtown park, and we think about leveraging IoT technology in regards to um, environmental sensors. So, in case you've never been to North Carolina in the summer, it is very hot. <laughs> so, I think about, you know, was there, is there a way to look at that sensor? And we can send messaging to the folks that are in that park, right? So, for example, UV index hits 10 a reminder goes out via text messaging that says, hey, we have these devices over at whatever locations that offer some sort of sunblock solution. Please make sure that you're reapplying your sunblock as well as a reminder as to where the water fountains are to make sure that you're kept hydrated. So I think there's interesting ways to think about the information that you're gathering in real time and use it as enhanced services for your citizens. 
When we come back, we return to Chief Harold to talk about some of the new firefighting technology he's testing that will take advantage of next-generation wireless connectivity. The future with 5G is coming. Today, T-Mobile is leading the 5G charge with $30 billion invested in their network to deliver new capabilities. Improved connectivity and true mobility provided by an advanced network from T-Mobile for Business could change the way we all live and work. The 5G era will take the best technologies available today in the wireless space so that you can offer new capabilities to your business customers. T-Mobile for Business knows that the future of business will be powered by advancements in wireless networks, with these new technologies opening the doors for better ways to get the job done. Business is changing. Learn more at tmobileforbusiness.com. So, Kara, would you sign up for those sunblock alerts? Do you see how pale I am? I know this is a podcast, so they can't see me, but I'm quite pale. You know, it's funny because when Nicole brought this up, I was like, yes, I would absolutely want this alert. I'm kind of seduced by the convenience of it. Well, we both live in New York City, which isn't always the most convenient place in the world. So if you were the CIO of NYC, what do you do on day one? Two words. The subway. (laughs) You really are a New Yorker. Uh, One of the dilemmas I sometimes face on the aforementioned subway is that the train can arrive really, really crowded. And I know there's another train coming, but I don't know if it's going to be any better. So I'm faced with that constant dilemma, should I stay or should I go now? So it might be cool if you get alerts about you know, helping you make better decisions about which train to take. Yeah, you know, gathering data for the sake of personal convenience or even to manage a natural disaster could be extremely useful. But I would want to be able to opt in. Of course. And there are questions of access too. Cary, North Carolina and Menlo Park, California are both affluent areas. So as we're building out new networks and as we're still in the building phase, we do have to make sure that we're bringing best-in-class wireless access to less affluent places. Yeah, and that's something some of the wireless carriers are acknowledging. Around the world, next-generation wireless is promising to play a role in emergency services, even beyond firefighting. You know, imagine being able to stream ambulance activity to a doctor before the patient arrives at the hospital. Imagine the life-saving potential of saving a few extra minutes using telemedicine. And emergency services are Chief Chappell-Hellman's bread and butter. He's been working in the fire department for almost four decades. And in that time, he's not only been fighting fires, but also responding to events like 9-11 and the Oklahoma City bombing. So when he thinks about building technology for a better future of disaster response, he has a unique and broad perspective. Being able to help people was where I started. I like working, I like being outside. You know, I liked every aspect of being physical and making a difference that we're able to do in the fire service. As the fire chief, Harold not only has responsibilities to the local community, but also to the firefighters he oversees. And modern building techniques and materials sometimes make that more difficult. It's not the old, simple, you know, wood building anymore that's burning. I mean, these structures that has contents and or consumable components, it's a much more toxic environment for our firefighters. We're exposing these folks, not just to the stresses, the physical and the mental as well, but equally, we have a huge, seen a huge change in the amount of cancer-related events that we're being exposed to because of the changes today in the way things are made. 
There's a lot more petroleum-based products in everything that's out there in the form of plastics and the form of other types of treatments for products. And it's a difficult job to do. And we've got people who are willing to do it, which is amazing. They charge head-on into these things. For the chief, new technology is not just about the wonder of innovation or the bottom line. It's about saving lives. And this means he always has an ear out for the products that are pushing the frontiers of firefighting forward. I try and work with people who innovate and create ahead of time and allow them either through our burn training facility or by working with us to refine their products so they actually do work for us. I mean, we need tools, not toys. And we don't have time to sit around and play with things that don't work. One of the biggest problems that technology could play a powerful role in mitigating is the difficulty of navigating a fire. Crawling through a burning building, you can't see anything. You're almost better to close your eyes so that, you know, you focus on your other senses of what do I hear? So if I hear somebody crying out, if I hear the fire, because I can hear the crackling sound, the moving sounds. To assist firefighters and enhance their senses, the chief has long been interested in a product that combines thermal imaging and augmented reality. The problem is that early versions were just not practical. Once thermal imaging was invented, the early versions were helmet-mounted. They were huge. I'm surprised it didn't break somebody's neck. The thing was so big. It wasn't functional, at least in a field environment. But according to Harold, that could all be changing. He and his department have been working with a company called Quake to develop and test a new firefighting tool called See-Through. As we talked about in the last episode of this podcast, the higher data rates, lower latency, and remote processing promised by 5G could make mobile VR and AR devices much more feasible. We're working with Quake right now to develop a item that either goes on your helmet or goes in your mask, and both allow you hands-free now to see into the fire. But even better, they use like a green screen bordering technology that then allows us to frame things. And, you know, then allows us to see what's the heat levels and so forth. So we put it on a bunch of our firefighters and then ran them through our fire simulation building so it was full of smoke and heat and as close to real conditions as you can duplicate. And not only were they more efficient in finding the victim and getting them out in a shorter period of time, all of them said, we want this now. This technology would make us better. It would make us more efficient. My gain is, if this company can be successful and put that new technology into every firefighter's hands, then, you know, that's a huge improvement for our industry. Harold's career goes back decades, but his enthusiasm for technology was more of an evolution. I was on a committee with the National Institute of Science and Technology after 9-11. I was a, a naysayer of the robots that were brought there. In fact, we've come a long way since the early 2000s where all we envisioned was aerial robots to where we're literally able to fly that technology today and not expend a whole bunch of money to do it. Those aerial robots that Harold was skeptical of are the predecessors to drones, a tool that Harold now believes could be transformative for firefighting and that could also be further enabled by 5G. Drones are amazing pieces of equipment put in the hands of public safety personnel who would use them for good. I mean, literally last year, we were flying on the campfire, doing remote searches, 
And also, that was the third disaster that we had mapped within days to where the public could go to a site and look through a panoramic of all these different kind of pieced together digitized flights that were done and not only see their address, but be able to zoom in and do a 360 on whether it was still there, what your neighborhood looked like and everything right after the fire for damage assessment. As ever, we have to keep privacy considerations top of mind, but use sensitively new technologies being developed by businesses in consultation with local governments have the potential to save lives. And the higher data rates and lower powered sensors promised by the next generation of wireless connectivity could make these tools all the more powerful. 5G to me is, it's a bigger pipe. And so that bigger pipe allows me to get data and other information I could have never gotten before. By having that bigger pipe, you could actually at some point hopefully merge all these different technologies together and have all of that in a face piece or a helmet or a combination of both so that we truly move firefighting into the next century. My pie in the sky, like I said, is a system that's able for my firefighter to see what they're doing in a building. They can see maybe what a drone footage over the building looks like, so they can actually see where they are, so they can be exposed to exterior conditions that typically they won't be able to see unless they're outside the structure. So how do I communicate that in? So 5G to me is the pipe that could capture all that information and stream it in to a firefighter's face piece. At the same time, allow the instant commander outside the structure to get it up on a, the screen like an iPad. You know, all those different things are in play. And I know there are people working on all of them. And Harold is more than happy to work with businesses who he believes can help him and his team achieve better outcomes. I'm open to anybody, any tech company, anybody who's a, you know, an inventor, innovator who wants to talk about making something better. I'll listen to anybody for at least five minutes to hear their pitch, read an email, whatever they propose, if it's something that's going to help our industry and save life and property or the environment. That's what we're about, bottom line. Available now from iHeart, a new series presented by T-Mobile for Business, The Restless Ones. Join host Jonathan Strickland as he explores the upcoming 5G revolution and the business leaders who stand right on the cutting edge. There are certain decision makers who are restless. They know there is a better way to get things done, and they're ready, curious, and excited for the next technological innovation to unlock their vision of the future. These restless ones are in pursuit of bigger, better, smarter, stronger. They seek new partners, new strategies, new processes. They pursue innovative platforms and solutions to propel their teams, businesses, and industries forward. In each episode, we'll learn more from the restless ones themselves and dive deep into how they think the 5G revolution could propel their business forward. The Restless Ones is now available on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Kara, in this episode of This Time Tomorrow, we've looked at the technologies that are being developed to literally fight fires, and we've looked at what it means to build a more connected city overall. And a common thread is that both Harold and Nicole are partnering with businesses, some of them startups, some of them well-established firms. But 
They're creating a relationship where the product can actually fulfill an application that a local government needs. I do think it's important that elected and appointed officials think more frequently about how technology can benefit and also consider the unintended consequences. Well, I was struck by what the chief was saying about new technologies enabled by 5G, potentially allowing his firefighters to spend less time in dangerous situations surrounded by toxic fumes and allowing him to keep better track of them. And that could save lives in the short term and the long term. Yeah, when Harold started fighting fires, he would close his eyes because he couldn't see through the smoke. In the future, they'll be able to use thermal imaging in their headsets. And it makes me wonder what tools they'll be using in the way, way future. You know, maybe we'll become better at predicting fires using environmental sensors. In a best case scenario, as technologies like 5G roll out, we're going to see a lot of promise in the future. Better emergency care. Cities that make people's lives safer and more convenient is something that all of us can aspire to. On the next episode of This Time Tomorrow, we'll look at how 5G has the potential to transform the world of sports and explore more potential applications of augmented reality. I'm Oz Veloshin. See you next time. No matter what you're after, T-Mobile for Business is here with a network born mobile and built from the ground up for the next wave of innovation. From mobile broadband to IoT to workforce mobility and everything in between, T-Mobile for Business is committed to helping you move your business forward with the products and services you need, as well as the dedicated, award-winning customer service you'd expect from America's most loved wireless company. Business is changing. Learn more at T-Mobile for Business.com.